0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 16th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is indeed from St. Luke chapter 16, verses one through 15, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1625. Luke 1 through 15. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in, and he asked him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do? My master is taking away my job, and I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked first, how much do you owe? my master. 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And the manager told him, take your bill. Sit down quickly and make it 450. And then he asked the second, how much do you owe? "A 1,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So then when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little little, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true righteousness? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And you cannot serve both God and money. Now the Pharisees, who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus, and he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. pray with me, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen, in the name of Jesus, for as we know nothing good comes from any other source. Circulating on the internet was a joke somewhat kind of, well, it's dark humor, but not something that I cannot tell and will not tell in this church. And it goes like this. It's, uh, well, it questions the person reading it, it with respect what would you do? Imagine, if you will, you and your two sons are traveling on an unoccupied road And there's nobody around. No cars, no buildings, no nothing for miles and miles. However, you happen upon a armored car. And the back doors are open. And there are bags of cash. And there's one bag that is... Well, it's got money spilling out of it. Bills spilling out of it. It's a big bag. It's like a—it's the size of a sea bag. So the Marines in here and uh, my coastie here—you know—they all know what a sea bag is. It's big, a big duffel bag, full of money. One spilling out, and there's 20 or more just like it in the back of this armored car. So this is a teachable moment. You're the man. You have your two sons. There's this seemingly (laughs) prosperity in front of you. There's bags of cash. There's no one around to see it. What do you tell your sons? Lift with your legs. I know, that's terrible. Forgive me, Father. So this morning, I'm going to tell you another couple of stories here um, about people that did the right thing when they had those kind of experiences. There's a boy named Hector Rodriguez. He was 15 years old, a high school student, and one day, Hector found a bag of money containing $120 on top of a vending machine, a Coke machine, and he took it to his teacher, and the two of them went to the principal's office, and they reported the money, and when he was asked why he turned the money in instead of keeping it, the boy said that he was concerned that the employee who left the bag would get in trouble if he lost the money. I mean, that's beautiful. There's another gentleman um, named is Eddie McLaughlin, and he apparently was walking home one evening when he found a bag on the sidewalk outside of a store. And he picked up the bag and he looked inside, and he saw that it contained a large amount of money. And when Eddie got home, he told his wife about finding the bag of money, and together they counted it. And there was over 4,000 dollars in the bag. And Eddie called the police and he told them about the money. Now the manager of the store had dropped the bag while he was closing up. And without a doubt, he was happy that it was Eddie who found the money and returned it. There's other stories that I could tell you, but you get the point. The question is, you know, why do people do what they do? And their answer is, it was the right thing to do. And when we hear stories like these, perhaps it makes us stop and say, what would I do? What would have I done if it had been that money? Would I had said, lift with the legs? No. Would I have turned it in? If it's an amount of money, does that make a difference? If it's 20 bucks, do you turn that in? What if you find the 20 bucks next to a teacher's desk, and the teacher's there? Does that make a difference? Should it? This is kind of a, the way that Sunday schools have been taught throughout the years, kind of a, an exercise in morality, and it really comes down to the interpretation of this particular parable that Jesus was telling, and, and um. And it really comes down to, like, oh my gosh, you know, if I'm not, uh, if I'm, I'm unfaithful with big things, then how am I going to be faithful with little, or, you know, other way around, Ken. Little things, big things, all that, oh my gosh, you know. I, it's the, the moral thing to be, and I got to tell you, that's not what the story is about. And that's not, it's just not. Did you hear me? That's not what the story is about. This parable that Jesus is telling his disciples that the Pharisees and that we get to hear, to listen in on, is not a story about morals. It's not, listen to this, commending dishonesty either. Boy, we sometimes focus in on that manager and, and, the, and the Lord commended him for a shrewdness. I mean, how do you reconcile that? That's what happens if we focus in on the bad guy. If we focus in on the manager. But what the story is really telling us, and the point of view that we need to focus on is, the story is about the Lord. The story is about the one who the manager works for. The story is really about Jesus. The one who shows mercy to the one who was given much to manage. The operative word in that is given. It was given the one who was given, and he used his gift for himself. The manager used his position to enrich himself. And more than that, What he was given, in charge of, was administration. It didn't ever belong to him. Those weren't his bushels of grain. Those weren't his, that wasn't his olive oil. And he certainly wasn't to be taking advantage and enriching himself. And so we read further on that the Pharisees were miffed. At Jesus over the story. Well, you know, after the last few weeks, what else is news? The Pharisees and the scribes are always upset with Jesus. Because through his parables and through what he's telling, they're going, That guy's talking about me. Well, I don't like it. In verses. In in Luke chapter 16, verse 14, we know that the Pharisees were lovers of money and they heard all these things and they ridiculed him. To which Jesus replies in verse 15 through 17, we actually only went through 15, but I'm going to add, let you hear the rest of this. Jesus said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Verse 16, the law and the prophets were until John, John the Baptist. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached. That's Jesus. And everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Pharisees, outwardly pious, inwardly, as Christ described them, you are like whitewashed tombs. You're white on the outside. You're dead on the inside. The Pharisees were using money that was rightly God's to make themselves appear justified on the outside, the finery on their clothes, cruising around the town. Hmm, Above it all, look at me, I'm quite pious, aren't I? They were fakes. They were hypocrites. They were like this manager who were in charge of administrating and they were ripping God off by not distributing the goods. What were the goods? They weren't distributing God's word that they were entrusted to. And We hear, but God knows the heart of everyone. The Pharisees were like the man scrambling to cover themselves with that which did not belong to them. They used means to gain favor from those who would not otherwise show them favor had they lost their position that was entrusted to them, just like the man. As long as they're in that position, they're looked at and esteemed. But if they lose that position, They are no longer esteemed. It's a position that they made themselves self-righteous in, and we know that it cannot last, just like that manager who was found lacking, who was found ripping the Lord off. It wouldn't last, and so he had to scramble to make sure that he was covered by those people, and we know that that won't last. What is the point in here? We know that For those that are outside of Christ, it cannot last. For those that rely on their own means for justification, their own observance of the rules, I do this and I don't do that, 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 and I surely wouldn't do that, so therefore I'm a good person. That isn't how it works. Amen? So no, this is not a morality tale. It's a study in the nature of the Lord. The Lord... The Lord is the one that is worthy of our service. He is the source of all good gifts. He is the one who calls all to come. He is the one that made and gave the sacrifice. The sacrifice that all who believe shall be saved. Now here's another thing that the story isn't about. It's not about demonizing or discouraging wealth but it's really pointing towards how wealth is to be used. And it could be summed up in a little bit like this. The man who is or the woman who is wrapped up in themselves makes for a really small package. So what is stopping the Pharisees or the manager or even us from spending our gifts lavishly on others. Those things that we have been given administration over and spending them lavishly on others. What is keeping us from doing that? Well, it's the flesh. It's sin. And it's not a surprise to the Lord. So what does this look like today? What does it look like today, one who is Walking the walk. Let me share this from yesterday. Yesterday, there was a man that that I was introduced to. And his name is Oscar. And it was after Oscar had spent more than four hours on the roof of this sanctuary yesterday. It was hot yesterday, wasn't it? Four hours he's up there. That's a white roof. It's a beautiful roof. It's a rubber roof that has a you know, scrim on the back. I mean, it's top-notch roof, but it reflects light up. It's hot. This young man was there for, as I said, over four hours. He's working on our air conditioning units. Feels pretty good in here this morning, doesn't it? Not too bad. What what we found out was that the original contractor who installed this and, and so on and so forth, there's three units up there. I think I've got this right. And out of the three units on each of the unit, only one condenser was working. It was similar to trying to do your work with one hand tied behind your back. So from the very beginning that these things were installed, it has not been working properly. This young man was up there reconnecting all the three units. And he did some specialized work on a control panel in order for the third unit to, to operate. When I say specialized, you know, um, there's some high voltage stuff up there. And I can't really describe to you other than I have grabbed onto an outlet in the house wiring without turning stuff on, and it was like this. Well, this stuff would do a lot more than that. This man knows what he's doing. This man's highly skilled. He's been given a gift. He knows what he's doing. He is trained. He is skilled. What do you think if somebody like that makes an hour? I don't know, 50 bucks? 80? 100? Guess what? He didn't take a thing. This man would not take payment for it. Four and a half hours I didn't mention, or did I, he's a member of Victory Outreach, our sister church here. He said, I'm doing it, it's God's house. I'd say he's a good manager of the gifts God has given him. In fact, he's exemplary manager of the gifts God has given him. Now, we as a church will not let this go unpaid. And, and, uh, you know, the man would not personally take the money or a gift card. Here's what he said. He said he'd take a lunch, which I understand is that he says, I want your fellowship. And so we prayed with him. And we could see that this man truly was trying to give the gifts that he'd been given away. His time and his talent. This isn't a morality story. This is about who much have been given, much is demanded. And it's about Oscar and you, all of you have given. But I wanted to share something, of what it looks like today, just yesterday. Wow, good timing, Dad. And Oscar knows this, and you know this, that our reward awaits for us in heaven despite of the sinful flesh that we walk around in now. Our reward awaits for us in heaven in spite of the works that we do, in spite of four and a half hours up on the roof. He's not getting into heaven because he did that. He's doing it because he gets to go to get in heaven. Because he's been given, he wants to be a hilarious giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Hilarious. And the guy was laughing. And it was like, I was standing pretty close to him, and I wasn't really all that intimidating, although I am to, like, little children. But I come up to him, I go, come on, man, you've got to let us pay. Oh, I can't, pastor. I can't. And Susan tried to get him. No, I can't. (laughs) Daryl tried. Ken tried. You know, it's just the guy wouldn't take it. Man. Man, oh man, what a model of gratitude that he showed us, the desire to give away. Now, you know this. Let me wrap this up. But that God has given the same gifts to you and me and many more. Everything that we have has been given to us. And Luther says this, the greatest treasure that the church has been given is the gospel. That is, Christ and him crucified. And that it's greater than all the gold or treasure in the world. The gospel has been given to us. We have been given this. And we are to spend this gift lavishly on others, sharing the word, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, being generous with our gifts. The gift of the gospel is certainly not a one and done. We know that, right? That it's living and giving. The word and the sacrament are not static. Those are gifts. And they're not something that is just sitting here to be dusted off once a week. It's something to be shared. Something to be celebrated. It's something to be inviting other people to participate in. We need to give it away. And today as you come up and receive the body... And the blood, you received another gift, a gift of life from the one who died. You received mercy and grace from the one that we all once hated before we were made new in our baptism. Today, you receive the gift of sonship, of daughter, of being daughter. You receive the gift of being adopted, claimed, loved, pursued, and made new. In the name of Jesus, amen.